The year is 1987, and a brown-eyed girl is driving a yellow VW Bug through the streets of San Francisco with the Smiths playing on the radio. Little does the outside world know, that girl is sitting inside a robot soldier on a mission to save the world. This is Rye's review of Bumblebee on Rye Loves Movies. Hey everyone, this is Rai here with a review of Bumblebee, the new Transformers film without Michael Bay at the helm. Is that going to mean lots less random explosions? Yeah. So this film starts right off the bat on Cybertron, which was pretty cool to jump right into the action. I love Cybertron. To be honest, when I was a kid, I loved watching Beast Wars, and later, after Beast Wars, there was a series called Beast Machines, where the Beast Wars characters went to Cybertron, and it was this kind of bizarre Twilight Zone series of the Autobots becoming evil. Well, some of them, some of the ones that you knew being good for a long time became evil with no reason why. Other Autobots that you knew, be, uh, which were called Maximals in that series, uh, had to kind of try to save Cybertron and figure out what was going on. Uh, I, I, I like that show. It only lasted for a season or two, and it wasn't as good as Beast Wars, uh, but I liked the idea of them going to Cybertron and learning the history of Cybertron. So anytime in a Transformers movie when we get a chance to visit Cybertron, I'm always on board for that. And I like the portrayal in this movie. I mean, it's it has been shown in the other films. You do get a brief glimpse of it, a brief scene of some of the war on Cybertron, but it's cool to see it again and see the city skyline and kind of imagine what that would be like to have an entire planet with with robots living there and it brings it still brings up a lot of questions that Maybe there's some answers for, and I'm just not a big enough uh, historian on the Transformer series to really know. Are are Transformers born? Are they uh, bred? Are they made? And the reason I ask that is because uh, Bumblebee in in this movie in the beginning is called B one two four or one two six. I can't remember exactly. And if you're a big Transformers fan and you know this, uh, don't get upset with me. Um, to be honest, I I was a little bit young for the original Transformers series. I didn't grow up with Optimus and, and Bumblebee. I just didn't. I think it was the mid to late 80s, and I, I was just a baby. And by the time I was uh, old enough to start liking those kinds of cartoons, that's when, uh, you know, Beast Wars came along. So, you know, uh, I don't know why Bumblebee uh, was called B whatever, because was he made? Are there other B units that were made? You know, why are the other, you know, robots or... Autobots and why are they called the things they are? I think these questions have been asked before and I'm not here to try to answer them. I just thought it was a, a little bit interesting. It's, you know, we get us a war scene and then and Bumblebee is, is sent off to Earth to become Earth's uh, protector and get it ready for the rest of the Autobots. And in that kind of series of events, he's in a battle where he loses his voice box. We actually get to hear Bumblebee's, uh, you know, kind of original voice in this film, which uh, I can't remember really if we've heard it originally. You know, I know his voice has been fixed before, but I don't know if we've ever heard him, uh, how he originally spoke from, from the get-go. 
And so that's kind of interesting. He, he kind of talks like a cool kind of younger uh, kid or younger guy, maybe, who's, you know, been pulled into this war. But he's definitely a fighter and he's definitely a soldier. The events of this film kind of lead him to go into a shutdown mode where he loses some of his uh, fighting skills and his kind of his memory of what his mission is. And that leaves him uh, vulnerable. And in that vulnerability, we get the character of Charlie, who comes in, played by Haley Steinfeld, who is a pretty cool kind of a Ramones rocker, kind of early emo-ish, uh, just, just kind of punk rocker kind of character. And she listens, you know, to the Smiths and... And she's got her uh, Walkman, and she turns that on as soon as uh, as she wakes up so she can listen to some tunes. And she's about 18 years old, and she's got a little bit of a chip on her shoulder. And we learn that the reason she has that chip on her shoulder is because she's recently lost her loving father. And she now has, you know, lives at home with her mother, who's got a new boyfriend or fiancé or husband. It's I don't know if it's really made clear. Uh, and they've been together a bit you know, maybe six months or so. She has a little brother who it's not clear if he's the son of of the new boyfriend or if he's her original little brother. I lean towards the former just because of the character building and, and how he is uh, as compared to the to the male uh, actor who is, um, let's see, who plays that character? I think it's, uh, yeah, I'm looking through the cast list and I can't, oh, uh, Steven Schneider. Steven Schneider plays the, um, you know, kind of the new stepdad character. And the mother is actually played by Pamela Adlon from, you know, from Louie and, and uh, from, I know her kind of best from my childhood as the voice of Bobby Hill on King of the Hill. Dang it, Bobby, an F in English, you speak English, that kind of thing. And they're, they're fun, they're fun. Actually, the what's interesting about this film is that the the writer is a woman, Christina Hodson, who I don't know her other credits. Uh, says Shut Down and Unforgettable. I don't know those films. But, you know, I didn't know this was written by a woman until kind of the end credits after watching it. And when I saw that, I said, you know what? That makes sense. That makes sense. And, you know, while I'm just talking about it, let me give a couple reasons why I think that makes sense. One major reason is that, uh, you know, Haley Steinfeld's character is not objectified in this movie. I mean, think about all the uh, Michael Bay characters going back to, you know, Megan Fox and uh, Rose, uh, uh, what's uh, Huntington Whitley, I think was her name, uh, that kind of took over later, that at every opportunity, Michael Bay was shoving a camera up their skirt, you know, in this this movie, Haley Steinfeld is not ever seen kind of in that light. There's barely even a chance where she's, I think towards the end maybe, she shows her midriff a little. She's mostly just played like a, a you know, she's shown as a tough, confident 18-year-old girl who doesn't, um, who's not going to play those kinds of games, you know, that, uh, that Michael Bay usually has his uh, female characters play. And, uh, you know, that's one major thing. Another is just the, the, the conversations, the surrounding characters, you know, are funny in a way that are funny by kind of, you know, the female comedians and female writers that I know uh, are able to make characters funny. You know, Pamela Adlon and, and Steven Schneider's back and forth. And Pamela Adlon really takes on the mantle of, of being the parent and being the, the loving, you know, voice role 
where um, you know in the other movies it it, it would have been a, a father figure, Mark Wahlberg or um, the other characters with the original Transformers. Also, another thing that's interesting is there's a a female uh, Decepticon who's kind of the lead bad guy in this movie. If you can say bad guy, it's actually a, you know baddie, a bad person, bad robot, bad robot. Um, who uh, whose voice I'm I'm not sure. I'd have to do some digging to find out the voice uh, who does that. But it's 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 very interesting. I was I was I was a bit you know a bit surprised and a bit uh, I don't know if joyed. I'm, I don't know if I was initially joyed to hear that. I just I it piqued my interest a bit when I saw that the there was a female uh, Decepticon who was who was leading the who was leading the process who was leading the story. I thought that was an interesting choice. And then to see that it was a, a, a female writer, I said, of course, of course, that's a that's a great, just a great move that I don't think any many male writers, you know, in Hollywood, especially around a Transformers movie, would have thought to do. So I thought that was pretty cool. So, you know, Haley's great in the movie. She's a, she's a lovely person. She's a lovely actress. She she gets some moments to really show her range, which is kind of the big draw, the big selling point for this film is that it's really got a, a big heart it's got a big heart in this movie that you have never seen in a transformers movie before some moments of of care and love in the other transformers but it's always secondary it's always secondary to the action and in this movie action is secondary to uh the story and it's it's a story that's really uh very steve steven spielbergian you know, and if you think about the original Transformers movie, everybody kind of talks about how Steven Spielberg was such a, an influence, you know, as a producer, uh, to want uh, that movie to be about a boy in his car. And how, you know, Sam Witwicky finds a Bumblebee on the, on a lot, broken down, and takes him home. And it's kind of, from Steven Spielberg's point of view, it's, it's, it's an E.T. story. He's an alien, and the boy finds an alien and, and has to keep him secret. Well, this is, uh, this is a similar, similar road. Uh, with Haley Steinfeld finding Bumblebee this time, but it it delivers on the premise. It delivers on the promise of that kind of story of a kid in their car, of their alien car, because there's a lot more time to develop this relationship with Haley, uh, with with Charlie's character and Bumblebee, and and getting to drive around and teach him things and teach him how to use the stereo to to talk and 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 we get the character of I think his name is Memo played by I want to say it's uh, let's see it's George either George or Jorge Lendenborg who plays the character of Memo is kind of the the neighborhood friend of Charlie he's actually not her friend at all he he spends a, a lot of the early parts of the movie just trying to talk to her it seems like she doesn't really notice him at all and he's kind of maybe uh you know has feelings for her as he sees her from the distance and tries to get to know her a little bit and and through that he stumbles into this this story and um you know gets gets involved in this conflict their their relationship is nice and and that that's another calling card kind of 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 the female writer is that that they don't that Haley you know Charlie's character is kind of in charge of that relationship that friendship as they go along and i i can bet i would put money that somewhere on reddit or uh, 4chan or whatever the inner tubes uh, where the darkness plays uh, the strongest, that there's going to be people who, who argue and, and are complaining about how that relationship develops and where it goes. You know, I, I think it's great. I think it's it's exactly where it needs to be. Of course, the, the other character we need to talk about here is John Cena. I don't know. They tell me he was in the movie. I couldn't see him. 
But he plays Agent Burns, who's a military man. I don't know why they call him an agent when he's obviously a soldier. I guess he's maybe, I don't know if it's an FBI, you know, maybe NSA. I don't know. He he's always seems to be wearing a military outfit or a black ops kind of outfit. So if you can call that an agent, I guess so. He, he it's kind of strange how he, he ends up in the, the action of this movie. It's kind of kismet. It's kind of a cosmic coincidence that he happens to run into Bumblebee and Bumblebee affects his life in a way that causes him to become enemies with Bumblebee and, and start to, to chase him down in this movie. He, he goes through some standard um, WWE-style uh, twists in this movie. You know, he has a couple uh, face turns, a couple heel turns in different ways that may or may not surprise you, but... Um, but he's he's good. He's fun in the movie. He uh, gets a chance to to put a couple uh, one-liners out there. I didn't grow up with John Cena watching him wrestling. You know, I'm more of a Attitude Era kid. But but I've always kind of liked him when I've caught him on TV. And and I've noticed as he does more and more press and movies in the last few years that he's a very funny guy. And it's 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 cool. It's cool to see him. You know, get get the chance to not just be a tough guy uh, and to show some jokes and to show some range. You know, I don't, I don't put him, I don't put him on like a, a rock level of, of, of uh, ability yet in the sense that I think Dwayne Johnson has a bit more range than him. And I don't even know why I'm comparing him to Dwayne Johnson. That's not really fair. He, he does his own thing. But, but I do like his new uh, hair. He, he, he got some ha new hair recently, if anybody noticed. A new do, a new, I don't know what it is, if it's a plugs or a wig or, you know, toupee or what, because in this movie, he's rocking some bald spots in the back that he does not currently have, if you look him up and, and things he's done uh, very recently. So uh, let's see, who else uh, can we talk about? You know, Peter Cullen replays, you know, revises his um, Optimus Prime briefly in a few scenes. I won't say exactly how or why he's in the film, but he does get to voice Optimus, which is great. It's always great to hear Optimus. And I think Dylan O'Brien, looking at the cast list, may do the Bumblebee voice early on, which is kind of cool. It's a fun film. It really is. And it kind of has, uh, you know, highs and valleys, peaks and valleys as it goes on. There's there's moments when you kind of go, okay, is this where, where's this going? Is this going to pick up a little bit? And then it'll go into a whole sequence or a whole series of scenes where you're just really having a good time and, and just kind of laughing. And, and you're like, oh, this is nice. This is sweet. And then it'll, you know, it'll go into an action scene. You go, oh, okay, I remember what the plot's about. I remember we have, you know, the MacGuffin or the, the blue light in the sky. We have to kind of uh, stop in this sense. But by the end of this, the movie, you're kind of like, okay, that's that's fun. I would definitely watch another one. I would catch another sequel to Bumblebee. I, I don't know how they would do a sequel to, to Bumblebee, kind of based on the way they end it. But if they tried, I, I would definitely watch it. CG-wise, you know, my biggest complaint with the whole series of Transformers up to this point has been that you can never tell what's going on. The robots are always, you know, the, the, the fighting is so kind of either close up where you can't tell. It's just like mashing, you know, uh, car pieces together. It's like you took out like a carburetor and, and a muffler and just like smashed it together and filmed it at a close up. And then you're trying to tell people what's going on. This doesn't do that. The, the transformations themselves are really clean. You know, they're not so complicated where, they were, you know, the Transformers, usually the movies have so many parts moving where it's like, oh, well, every every gasket, every gear 
has to turn, has to flip around so much that it's just a, just a cacophony of visual metal pieces. And this doesn't do that. That's, this is more toy style where when you play with the toys as a kid and you can kind of, you know, you flip the door out and it turns into an arm and the, the tires turn inside out and there's a gun on the end of the tire. You know, that's what, it's more like that. So you can kind of visually follow what's happening, which I appreciate. The action is always shot. There, there's never too much business. There's never too much going on. They keep the characters to a minimum. Not 13 robots fighting like the past movies have done. This is two bad guys and two good guys at a time. And you can follow it. That's a plus for me. So I think this is a this is a good catch. This is a good one to go see. Uh, if you, definitely, if you're a Transformers fan, you have to see this because the the impression I got the whole film, the feeling I was having was like, oh, this is like the original cartoon, kind of come to life. This is when I play with the toys. This is how I feel when I'm playing with them. You know, it's a simple story. You got soldiers. You got a couple robots, and sometimes they shoot each other. Sometimes they punch each other. And that's what you're going to get. It's not too complicated. And not that I'm against complicated plots for robot movies, but the Transformers movies up to this point haven't done anything about it. They haven't done anything interesting with it, as convoluted as they've become. It never really gave you any uh, any extra uh, points for that because it was all kind of a jumbled mess. And, um, you know, you're getting my past review of all those Transformers films. I was never a big fan of them, to be honest with you. I watched them all. Actually, I didn't watch the last one. I think I got one or two of the Wahlberg movies before I kind of gave up. But this is a nice return, if it was ever a return to form. You know, this is actually a totally new direction, which I enjoy. So, positive review from me for Bumblebee. Thanks for listening, and follow me on Twitter at ItIsIRy. That's at I-T. I-S-I-R-Y for more content, including a podcast I do called Ride Reads Rick and Morty, where I read Rick and Morty comic books.